0: We could seriously jam out on so many different topics, but I think for this very first conversation for the Daily Hive Mind, uh, Jacqueline, I think I want to just dig into the pros and cons of different scalable offers as you see it um, and your own personal journey for the best mix for you Because one of the things I love a lot of the stuff that you do in your business um, from the high touch very personal feel. Um, I think that you're really creative. I love how specific you've gotten um, in the last year and your whole go to gal like it makes it so easy to uh, tag you and I know that was actually one of your uh, offer names is taggable. I think. I forget if it had anything else attached to that name, but it was so genius because it's like, yes, that's what we all want to be. We all want to be taggable. I love when people tag me uh, for member vault related conversations, you know, and it's like some group on Facebook and people are like, oh, what course platform should I use? And um, I love when member vault is easily taggable because, and it's, it's so fun to see like, you know, all the people chiming in and saying, number what, number what, number one It's also kind of weird. Like, wow, like, I don't even know a lot of these people. Um, and so that's a really great feeling. And I love that you actually help people become taggable. Uh, and so I love the, I think that you are really, really good at coming up with irresistible offers for your audience. Uh, But I also really like to watch from afar, um, you know, because I'm on your email list, as as you know, because I'm frequently hitting reply and being like, this was the best email um, or this was so smart. You're such a genius. But I love how creative you get in terms of how you position things, how you deliver things. Uh, And I know that you've been very transparent in terms of your own journey on what makes you happy Uh, in providing these offers. You know, I know that you've added a lot more in person um, to what you do with your business, which is, I think, so amazing. And I like reading it, because as an introvert, I'm like, that sounds terrible. (laughs) I love that Jacqueline wants to do that. And you, like, recently, you had a crazy week where you like five different events or something that you went to and i was reading that reading your recap of that thinking that sounds like my worst nightmare but that's the thing that i like about it is that it really highlights that we all have very different preferences and things that would make up an ideal reality um and so it's so important to to really pay attention to that and maybe you're going to deliver something and realize, you know, I think that it's going to be the perfect offer for you to deliver. And then you realize, actually, I don't like supporting a course or I don't like supporting a membership, right? You know what? Like, I really wanted to step away from one-to-one, but I really miss it and being curious rather than feeling trapped in this well everyone's going to think that you know they're they're going to judge me because they're going to think I'm flaky or they're going to you know think something negative about me because um I just repositioned my business and now I'm going to be going back i mean i certainly have seen people in the online space where you know they were like very anti all the one to one that they were doing and so they built out an agency and then they hated it and so they went back to one to one and there was very much a sense of kind of shame faced like "Ah, I was wrong and like I made a mistake and honestly I love how you do it because it isn't I think that it's refreshing because we are all evolving our businesses we're all learning as we go and you don't know until you put something out there and so I love that you just you put stuff out you you pay attention you're super transparent about why you're doing things and you pivot very quickly. And so you are absolutely an inspiration. Um, And so I would love to hear your personal thoughts around the pros and cons on different scalable offers, you know, memberships, courses, group programs, um, you know, low cost offers. Uh, I love one of the things that you've done where you do the like very short, like pop-up type group programs. I think those are so great for your audience and so great for you um, to do those quick sprints And so I'd love your thoughts around the pros and cons of the different things that you've offered and then where you're at right now on your personal journey in terms of the best mix for you and why it's the best mix right now. Erin, all right, well, thank you
1: so, so much. And this is one of my absolute favorite topics. So I'm super excited to jam on this with you. When it comes to creating offers, one of the things that I see people doing wrong the most. And I'm raising my hand because I was one of the people that did this wrong too. So I'm not throwing shade. I've been there done that. And now I'm telling the story to save you from doing that too. And one of those things are following the crowd. So when I first started my business, I, my mentors had a very successful membership and memberships, I think were really hot at the time. And a lot of the podcasts that I was listening to, they were talking about memberships. And so my first offer was a membership. Now, memberships are still popular now in 2019 and people are having tremendous success with them, right? But that is not one, the only way to scale. And two, the lesson that I learned the hard way is still very true today. And that is with a membership you need to have the numbers to have to be able to scale it immediately to have enough members where one you're getting enough revenue to run the back end because running the back end of a membership can be very time consuming and complicated and my first membership actually didn't even have any content and it was still a lot to run these things But what happens is if you don't have the numbers, right? So if you right now do not have a big audience or any audience, or even if you just have like a decently sized audience, when you sell a membership and you don't have enough people in the membership, you are essentially undercharging for group coaching. (laughs) This is what happened to me. I actually had a very dear friend who I am so thankful pointed this out to me, but, years ago, back when I had my membership and I was charging $29 a month and maybe I had 40, 50 members and a good friend of mine had a good coaching program that was $3,000 for six months. And she had said to me, and I think her program maybe had forty people in it. And she had said to me, you know, our programs really aren't that different. And I'm like, how are they not that different? I charge twenty nine dollars a month, and you're charging essentially six hundred dollars a month, and or five hundred dollars a month, whatever it was. This blew my mind. But when. I really started thinking it through and looking at the value that I was giving. And because of the size of the group, she was right. She was right. And I needed that outside perspective to be like, oh, whoa, like I'm doing something wrong here. And eventually I raised the price and eventually I decided I needed to close it down because many other factors. But I wanted to share that story because I learned that the hard way. Now, there are no bad business models. I'm sure there are bad business models, but when it comes to memberships, courses, building an agency, doing one-on-one, doing a mixture of all these things, doing done-for-you, doing group coaching, selling masterminds, selling digital products, uh, not selling anything and just doing all affiliate sales. That's an option. Um, All of these are great possibilities, right? It's all a matter of what is right for you layered with Is it the right time for you in your life and in your business? Does the model support where you are in business based on both your your knowledge, your audience size, your team capacity to handle certain things, all of that? And then also, does it meet the client's expectations? Do your students want it delivered that way? Is it going to work for them? So I think it's important to take all of these things into consideration here. Don't just follow the crowd, really open up. Like I like to keep a very open mind, which is probably obvious when it comes to all of the different things that I have offered in my business. But I really like to keep an open mind when it comes to how I'm going to deliver that result to my clients, which leads me to a really important, like if you don't remember anything else out of this podcast episode today when you're talking about creating offers, I want you to flip this and not just think about what should I offer, but I want you to think about what problem can I solve? Your offers shouldn't just be offers. The best offers are solutions, solutions to very real problems. Now, if you're an expert, most of my clients tend to be experts. Some of them have many areas of expertise, and it's about narrowing down and finding one. And some people just have a really refined area of expertise. So, if there is something that you are an expert with, sometimes there's a lot of people that can benefit from that expertise. And picking a niche feels really scary because it feels like, oh, geez. Are all these other, I'm, I'm saying no to all of these people and it feels like you're turning down opportunity. But by honing in on a target group that you can specifically solve a problem for, you're able to connect with them on a much deeper level and you're able to create an offer that's truly going to solve their problem. An important thing to consider here too is picking a, the group that can benefit the most from your solution. So I should probably use an, ex, an example here of some sort. Oh, let's use copywriting. So let's say you're a copywriter. Now, if you're picking a group of people that can benefit from your copywriting, probably all businesses need copy, right? So like the sky is the limit, the world is your oyster. You could really be working with any type of business to do copy, right? It's honing in on one, okay, maybe what is your background with copywriting? Is there an area or part of copywriting that is your true expertise that you want to focus on? And if that's the case, okay, maybe you have a lot of experience doing copy for e-commerce businesses, and it makes sense to stay in that space. But other times, maybe you're just really good with copying, you've worked with a big variety of clients, and it's kind of hard to choose. This is what I think happens the most, especially people that are coming from doing a done-for-you service or one-on-one work. In this point in time, I would say, okay, who are the different industries or types of businesses or people who you would want to serve? And of those groups, Which has the biggest need? Now, the important qualifier here is when I say biggest need, I don't mean the people that are the most desperate. Sometimes when we think about the people who need our services the most or need our our course or our offerings, whatever it is, they might be people who are in a really desperate situation. And maybe they don't have money or maybe they are just in a really dire, like they need it so bad And a lot of times we have really big hearts and passion for what we do and we're feeling really called to help those people. Listen, I am all for that. However, I don't think it is wise to have them be your ideal client, because while they might need it the most, they're not going to be able to pay you for it, or they're going to be able to pay you very little for it, in which case you are then going to eventually have to close up shop because you won't be able to afford to keep offering it to them, right? So you want to pick the audience that not maybe needs it the most desperately, but that is willing to pay for it they they have a a high enough demand or need for it that they're willing to pay you good money for it because it is a real problem for them and if that other group is still on your heart and you can't stop thinking about them and you want to help them being able to serve the client who's willing to pay you and to pay you premium rights and invest in, in all of that that's going to give you more resources to be able to help that other group for free if you want so I want you really thinking of, okay, it's not just I offer this service or it's not just I want to create a course. Starting with the business model is not the right place to start. Start with what problem can I solve and how can I solve that? Now, a lot of times I recommend starting with done for you or doing one-on-one as a way to truly understand your ideal client. It's basically like getting paid to do market research. And this is where you really get to know what they're struggling with, why this is important to them, where they get hung up in terms of implementing. You like truly, this is the best market research you can ever have. And you literally get paid to do it uh, because you're helping them along the way. Right. But this valuable insight of being able to work so closely with clients and see the patterns across working with multiple clients is that's, I mean, that's, would I use that data to then figure out what my next offer is going to be? Because I know, and that also is how I figure out what I'm going to talk about on on my podcast or what my social media content should be about, because I understand not just how to solve their problem in an offer, but the content that they need to be able to even be ready for an offer like that and the things that they're struggling with now so I can meet them where they are. So having those kinds of conversations, whether it's done for you clients or one-on-one is crucial step to even figuring out what your next offer should be from there. Now, once you're there, from there, wherever you are in business, and I cannot stress this enough, wherever you are in business, whether you were just starting out, whether you just started offering one-on-one or done for you services, or whether you have a multi-million-dollar agency or you're selling hundreds or thousands of courses, wherever you are in business, you have to be willing to take risks. You have to be willing to fall on your face. You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to do okay. And you have to be willing to give up great for amazing, to give up good for great, to give, like, you have to be willing to be vulnerable with trying new things. I, oh, I should have looked up, there was some statistic or something like that, but basically in, in companies, in order to have innovation, they have to have employees of, of companies have to feel safe and secure that they're willing to take risks. Otherwise, innovation can't exist. And within our own companies, even though we may not have five, 10, 20, hundreds, thousands of employees, We have to be willing to take those risks or else innovation can't exist. So when I look at my growth and all the different kinds of offers that I've had over the years, so I started with a membership, then I closed the membership down and did only one-on-one for months, really. I mean, it must have been at least six months. I did only one-on-one. And then, well, I should say, I guess, to complete transparency, I've always had affiliate offers, too. I've always been an affiliate. And I think no matter where you are in business too, layering that in. If there's companies that you're going to be talking about or gushing about anyway, cough, cough, like member vault, like be an affiliate. You're going to be sharing them anyway. And it's a great way to make sometimes a few extra dollars, sometimes a few extra hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars. Um, A big portion of my revenue over the past several years has, has always come from so I digress, but that's an easy thing to layer on with whatever your other business model is. And that's such a, it's like infinitely scalable. So I can't stress that enough. Okay. So I did Membership. One-on-one, oh, I guess I should like, I tried out everything in that early phase. I had the membership, but because the membership wasn't paying the bills, I created a course. I was doing one-on-one consulting. I did a small group coaching program. I was just like throwing everything at the wall because I really wanted the membership to succeed, but ultimately it it wasn't making the amount of money I needed it to. So fast forward, I closed down the membership, did all one-on-one for a while to really learn a new market that I had that I had switched into, that I pivoted to. And that's, like I said before, like I, I don't just say this stuff, like that's what I did, I dug in, and that's where I really learned. Wow, okay, this is what's holding people back. This is what they're seeing, they're asking me and pulling things out of me that I maybe never would have thought to share otherwise. So I was able to really help my clients during that period of time, but through that period of time, I was also really learning how I could help them the most. That is the place you wanna create from, right? So from there, I created group coaching programs. I've pretty much consistently had a group coaching program running the past few years. That's probably a core of my of my business model. But an important thing I wanna point out, because this is the question, this is the question that I wanna encourage everyone in terms of just how you're learning in this space. It's not just, don't ask what people are doing. Don't ask for the tricks and the tactics, ask, And learn about how they think. Because it's one thing to say, okay, a course worked for this person, or this is a funnel that works for this person. But learning why and how they think and how they created that and how they came up with that and that offer and that audience and everything. That's where the real magic is. So I want to share not just what my business model is, but but why and my thought process for all of this. So one of the things that I love to do is after I offer something, while I'm offering something, I'm constantly, you know, paying attention to what are people responding to? What are they not? Where, what did I not include in that program that maybe they needed? Who's getting the most success in the program? Why do I think that is? So constantly leaning in and just keeping that client-centric focus. Now with this, when I offered a course back in so just 2018 it feels so much longer ago but i guess it was 2018 back in spring of 2018 i had noticed in the first few weeks of the program that several of the women in the course and i am calling it a course but it was truly a, it was probably more like a group coaching program we ran it for 8 weeks there was 10 women in the program i was doing coaching calls every week so it, it was a course but it was it was probably a short term group coaching program if i'm being you know, I called it a course, but in fact, it really was a program. So that said, in the first few weeks, some of these women were having massive results and everyone kept posting, like, I just had my best month ever. It's already my best month ever. And, And people kept saying this either on calls or in the group. I'm like, what is going on here? And the funny thing is when I dug into it and I was like, okay, great. Like, where are you in the modules? This is like week three, maybe. They had barely even dug into the coursework. So, of course, as the course, pre- I'm like dying inside. Like, why? Like, you haven't even done anything yet? Oh, but they were like, no, but it was what we were going through on the coaching calls that really made the difference. So that summer, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and listen to those coaching calls. What was happening there? And what, when I went back and when I listened and what I realized was that there were things that I was going over in those coaching calls that I never thought to include in the program. When I was designing the program, I wanted it to be high level and I wanted it to do all of these things that they hadn't done before, right? But I had skipped over some, maybe to me, what's maybe basic sales. I had skipped over that in that first step and it wasn't just that it was basic sales it was that these are things that people know they should be doing in their business but they're not actually doing them because of mindset because of emotion because they are getting in their own way and when i realized this okay that's why we were tackling this on the calls These were things that were going on right now with their existing clients or past clients where they could tap into and quickly bring in revenue, quickly get to their best month ever by simple strategies layered with tackling mindset. So this summer, when I was going through, that summer, when I was going through and realized that, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this and turn it into. A course, a standalone course, and that way I can run that live, get people through that experience and what a perfect lead in helping someone get to their best month ever to then go into my program now transparently we're not running that live right now I don't know when we'll run it live again and. But I will probably offer it again. It is so good, and we've had such good results from students from both good times, both live times that we've run it, that I do think it would make sense to have it as evergreen. We just haven't set that up yet. But that is, I wanted to share that story because sometimes digging in a little bit deeper and saying why is this working, there's that you know sawdust, if you will. I actually think that's from Adrienne Doris, and I've heard her say that years ago, of stuff you're already creating, but being able to use it in a different way. So sure, I could have just taken that and added it to the program, but what a great way to bring people into the program and use that as like a lead-in offer. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening, whatever it is that you're offering, just take that extra step, go a little bit deeper with how how can you serve your clients best? When you stop thinking about what can I sell? What can I, and sometimes it's like, I need to make money. And other times you're like, oh, but I feel pushy asking for the sale. But when you take that off of you and you just think of the people who you serve and who you want to serve and think of how can I serve them best? When you think of it through that lens of what do they need? That's, what's going to lead you to your next answer. And that's really what's led me and my business to what our offerings are now. And a lot of the repositioning that I've done this year and this clarity on becoming the authority and that being the driver for exponential growth in your business, that's because that's what people were coming to me for. They saw that in me. And I do think those are the easiest things to sell. If either you have a very like big uh, track record of working with clients on a very specific thing, or the thing that people are seeing in you. When I first started my business, everyone wanted me to be an Instagram expert. And I I rode that wave for a little bit. It's never what I set out to do, but because I was growing so quickly and grew this large engaged community on Instagram, everyone wanted to ask me about Instagram, right? And as I built my own authority, and that has led to exponential growth in my business, it's only natural that that's what people are coming to me for. So taking what was not a process to begin with, which was just how I do business, right? Taking that, which was really second nature to me and unpacking that into a framework that I can now walk my clients through and then finding the best ways to offer that to my clients. That's that's where we are now. And I think that's how everyone should be thinking is okay, what are people, you know, how can you serve them best? And when it comes to your expertise. Sometimes we're too close to it. So really like seeing what, what are people asking you? What are they coming to you for? Don't be distracted by that. If it's not what you want, like, that's what happened to me in the beginning with Instagram. I wrote it for a little bit, but I knew that wasn't going to be the long term, but check in with that because sometimes we do everything in a bubble and we think we know exactly what people want and that is not what they want. So I definitely recommend being collaborative and open and listening through this offer creation process because that is that is when you get the offer that is truly irresistible because it's not just what you want, it's actually what people want. And it's not necessarily what they're asking for in the way that it's delivered because What's that Henry Ford quote? Uh, if I had given them what they would have asked for, they people would have said faster horses, right? So people don't always know the, even like what you could do, right? They may not know the full capacity of how much you could help them. But listening for those, those clues of what they're really struggling with so you can see through your expert lens what they're really struggling with maybe they think the problem's one thing but you know it's another and how you can design that offer that not only meets them where they are but that solves that problem for them right so that they're they know they need to come to you because you're offering something that they acknowledge they need help with but also you're you're including that thing that's going to really help them get those results All right, and one final thing, if you don't remember anything else that I say, as you are working towards creating that offer that is really your signature offer, that irresistible offer that you want people coming to you for, it is crucial that that offer anchors in your authority. As you are building up your authority, it's important that you actually have an offer that reflects that. I know this sounds super simple, but you would be surprised how many people don't have this. When you have an offer around a certain topic, that is a layer of authority right there. It also helps to reinforce as you're building your brand and getting yourself out there, that that is actually the thing that people should come to you for, not a dozen different things that you have on your site. That's not to say you can only have one offer, but you want to make it really clear what that signature offer is and have, and make sure that it does anchor in your authority. Like you clearly talk about this topic all day long, but I know we try to keep it short and sweet, and I know this probably wasn't short and sweet, but thank you so much, Erin. And if anyone has questions about their offers, I am of course, hanging out in the member vault collab, and I'm happy to answer any questions.